The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. The angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. So I thought it worth a bit of time to open with a few performance notes from our restored in-person annual pageant this year. Prelude and postlude were from a Charlie Brown Christmas special. Mary and Joseph both wore tennis shoes. There was a little shepherd wandering all over the church right before the procession because, well, there always has to be at least one shepherd wandering all over the place. The Christmas star worked, but only after Bill tossed the remote control over the organ bench at me so I could turn the lights on. They twinkled, part of the time. Sister Dana Augustine's homemade mince pies got caught up in the parade of pageant tea cookies, signs warning people off notwithstanding. A few remain for our Christmas mass tea. Stick around for those. The children performed their roles beautifully. Despite the lighter crowd, this space was filled again with the Christmas joy that only a pageant can bring. You know, just last year, this whole place was torn up, and it was just Michael and me in here. I remember it well. But here we were this year with the energy of our youngest members and all 
their resilience. And so it feels a bit more normal this year, and yet, of course, it still feels that there is a long journey ahead for all of us. We gather for the first time in person since the pandemic began for this great feast as the veins of the mountain run again with life-giving water. Salmon have recently been making their way up the arteries to perform their final act of life, spawning the next generation. The ground around us breathes a sigh of relief as our reservoirs fill again for the coming year. And yet this Christmas, as is always the case, the promise of life, and new life at that, is also mingled with grief and darkness. Our modern-day plague casts a shadow over our holiday gatherings and festivities yet again, and many of us have been touched closely by tragic personal loss or are reminded, as we so often are this time of year, of old griefs that cannot be shaken. But you know what? This is exactly the kind of world the Christ child was born into all those centuries ago. Luke tells us Mary and Joseph were called by the machinations of empire to depart Nazareth for Bethlehem. It might also be just as true that they were driven out by the incessant chatter of their neighbors in Nazareth. It is quite unlikely that Joseph and Mary were the only ones who knew that Joseph wasn't the dad, so no doubt the gossips had spread word well beyond any chance at recall or hope for redirection, let alone correction. Besides, if Joseph had disclosed his dream or Mary had given an account of Gabriel's visit, the laughter would probably have been heard as far away as Jerusalem. The road must have been particularly difficult for Mary, ripe with child, bordered by scandal and strangeness. Riding any kind of animal, let alone a donkey, late in pregnancy must have been profoundly uncomfortable. But you don't have to take my word for it. Just ask any mother in the room, right? Adding insult to injury, as the old story goes, there was no room for them at the inn, rejection of any potential solace at the end of a rocky journey. Comfort would have to be taken with the animals amidst the muck and the straw, with perhaps a smelly shepherd or two as bewildered guides, and no familiar midwife to guide the labor and birth. Tonight, the choir sings one of my favorite 20th century carols, Benjamin Britten's setting of This Little Babe, which has haunted me since hearing it for the first time as a very young child. I bet you dollars to donuts it will haunt you after tonight. But it was only this year as we prepared under Michael's superb direction that I dove deeply into the text Robert Southwell's 16th century poetry captures the essence of the Christmas message with all of its familiarity, and yet its still startling radicality. This little babe, so few days old, is come to rifle Satan's fold. All hell doth at his presence quake, though he himself for cold do shake. 
For in this weak, unarmed wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. With tears he fights and wins the field, his naked breast stands for a shield. His battering shot are babish cries, his arrows looks of weeping eyes. His martial ensigns cold and need, and feeble flesh his warrior's steed. His camp is pitched in a stall, his bulwark but a broken wall. The crib his trench, haystocks his stakes. Of shepherds he his muster makes. And thus assure his foe to wound, the angel's trump's alarm sound. My soul with Christ join thou in fight. Stick to the tents that he hath piped. Within his crib is surest ward, this little babe will be thy guard. If thou wilt foil thy foes with joy, then flit not from this heavenly boy. Southwell himself is a study in Christmas grace. He was, you might say, a child of the English Reformation, born shortly after its resolution, if we can call it that, into what we now call classical Anglicanism under the reign of Elizabeth I. The problem was Southwell was born on the wrong side. He was a poet, hymnodist, and theologian, but he was also a Jesuit and among a number of clandestine Catholic clergy whose lives were perpetually in peril as they flew under the radar of the shady network of Elizabethan Protestant enforcement. Elizabeth, for her many virtues, had an administration that could be just as ruthless as her father's. and You remember him, Henry VIII. And thus, Southwell was ultimately caught tried for treason, convicted, and put to death for his loyalties. But in the midst of this lived darkness, he was more than just a passing note in the annals of the English Reformation. He was more than just later beatified as a martyr by the Roman Church. His writings, even in his own day, were highly influential bearing light that touched thoroughgoing Anglicans and Catholics alike. Scholars can even trace his influence on none other than William Shakespeare. Southwell's immortal poem captures the little babe born this night again into our midst, whose power is divinity born in the irony of an ordinary manger, a feeding trough, if you like, whose swaddling clothes bring him comfort, even as they foreshadow the binds of his burial cloth, whose minions and army are birthed of humility and marginalization, dark to the wider world, and especially to those who sit on the thrones of worldly power. God, Southwell reminds us, chose not to be born surrounded by the wealth and prestige that the world so cherishes, and the historians study in minute detail. Rather, the inbreaking of heaven begins at the edge of anything the world would know and recognize. Why? Because this God is not about to invade with an army 
His God is not like any number of empires that have had their day, rising and falling with the grand cycles of the earth and the cosmos. No, this God enters our lives in the darkness and marginalized parts of our lives and hearts, in the forgotten corners of our society, and is born first and foremost to the losers of the historical narrative, to a people whose culture and faith has been forged under the thumb of military domination for thousands of years, to the poor, to the sick, to the oppressed, to the downtrodden, to the broken hearts and to the grieving, to those whose faith is known only to God alone. God slips through the cracks of power beneath the radar of our shady networks, beyond the terrifying bonds of gossip and the hounds of the elites. This is a royalty that cannot be bought or sold, traded or marketed, invested or won on the fields of battle. It is a divine life that cries in the night, demands the nourishment of our care and our compassion, that pitches a tent among us like a homeless stranger. Our task this Christmas is simply to welcome this life in our midst, mirroring all of our deepest need and our vulnerability, our grief mingled with hope, our fragility mingled with courage, and be reminded that no corner of our broken hearts is left untouched by a God who refuses to approach with violence or wrath but instead comes to us with a life that demands all of our attention and care. That same attention and care that Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the animals, and the angels bestow on a dark, dank, out-of-the-way manger this night. As we here at Church of Our Savior gather again this year in person, and remotely as well, we are reminded that so much of our work in life is not constructed of power and security, but rather on the tender self-offering that God births in our midst this night and every night, this moment and every moment. This Christmas remembrance guides our best efforts for the coming year. Fighting for what is right, not with the familiar tools of worldly power, but with works rooted in compassion and care, in mercy, in attention to the details that bid life. Like the water running again through the mountain, the incarnation runs through our veins bearing new life where death had seemed to consume all, and light where we thought there was only darkness. And joining our youngest members in their vibrant hope, resilient gladness gilded with Christmas joy. My soul with Christ join thou in fight. Stick to the tents that he hath piped.
Within his crib is surest ward. This little babe will be thy guard. If thou wilt foil thy foes with joy, then flit not from this heavenly boy. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.